In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Today we're going to continue uh, part two of the message, Living in a Pressure Cooker. Living in a Pressure Cooker. And, you know, we, we, the message of, uh, the, the whole thrust of the message is the pressures of life that we have to live under today. And if you remember, just as some sort of a recap, um, we painted a picture as to the intense pressure that people have to live after today. We ran through a whole load of statistics that helped us understand that there's so much pressure that people live after. 37% of the people in the UK are stressed for at least one full day a week. We went on to look at, at the information, some of them from the Men Mental Health Foundation, about the stress people live under, 74% of UK adults are stressed at some point during the year. And we realized, amongst the many other things we said, we realized, I'm not going to rehash all, this, all the statistics, get the CD for the last message. We realized that the pressure has more effect on a younger generation. For all the statistics with adults, the statistics would go up with the younger generation. And we saw the consequences of this pressure, the, the large number of people who are self-harming themselves as a result. 29% of those aged between 18 to 24 have self-harmed themselves as a result of stress. We also looked at what, what causes this stress. Uh, there were the, up, the things that were upfront: a divorce, the loss of a job, the death of a loved one, where people are unhappy in a job, too much responsibility or a heavy workload at work, um, emotional problems, traumatic events. And we were surprised to find out that even something that we look forward to, like getting married, is easily one of the most stressful things a person can do. And we found out that high up the list of the things that caused stress was money and, and money issues, issues related to money, especially debt. In a study, 22% of the people said the stress they were under was as a result of debt. We also understood that health issues cause a lot of stress. Um, health issues that a person deals with or where a friend or, 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 or a relation is dealing with a long-term health condition. And then we found out that uh, people's disaffection with their appearance and their body image. And of course, we mentioned that this isn't helped by social media that seems to portray every person as perfect when in reality they are not. Um, we, we looked at the pressure on young people to succeed um, uh, and they're driven to succeed uh, uh, and as a result it puts so much stress on them. And we looked at the early warning signs uh, that, that a person is living uh, under stress, uh, not just living on succumbing, to the stress because we live like we said in a pressure cooker it's how you manage the pressure 
that matters. When people start having frequent headaches, ex excessive fatigue, people have difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, forgetfulness and memory lapses, um, people's health starts to be affected, uh, uh, constant diarrhea, uh, 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 constant irritability or anger, and unusual anxiety or nervousness. And, and we, re we spoke about how if this is not handled, it can have long-term effects on, on, on any one of us. Uh, depression, high blood pressure, uh, respiratory and cardiovascular systems can be affected, um, heart disease, strokes, heart attacks, excessive weight gains or excessive weight losses, body aches. Um, it affects the sex drive of people, erectile dysfunctions and impotence are sometimes attributable to this. Um, it magnifies the physical symptoms of menopause for the ladies. Uh, it weakens the immune system and it can affect the digestive system, heartburn, acid reflux, constipation. It increases the risk of type 2 diabetes. It sounds grim. How many agree it sounds grim? And that's what most people are living under. And then we started to talk about how we cope with the stress. We have to. We live in the pressure cooker. Life is stressful. That is the reality. But how do we cope with it? And we started talking about what I feel is the main number one foundational solution to coping in stress. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, it is not prescribed. And even those who know, sadly, are increasingly constrained by policy so they can't say directly. But then you are sitting in a church, you must know and understand it. And you must find every opportunity to bring people to a place where they can start to deal with the stress that they are faced with. So how do we deal with stress and how do we overcome stress? Part two. As we said last week, as we started, the first thing is a relationship with God. A relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead. And the Bible is very clear that this is one of the benefits of such a relationship. The Bible says in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verses 28 to 30, and this is Jesus speaking himself. This is his invitation Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. That presupposes that he knows that the people are in need of rest. And he's offering himself as the solution, part of the solution to rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation is clear. You're looking for rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And we can testify with our own lives that this truth, we have lived it out. That in him we have found a rest for our souls. I like the way the Passion Translation puts that scripture. 
Are you weary, the Bible asks? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. That's the invitation that Jesus has. Anybody who's looking for a refreshing in their lives, an oasis, a place to drink from that will bring a refreshment to their lives, Jesus puts himself forward as the solution. He says, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. The best thing that a parent can do for a child is to prepare them for that relationship with Christ. The best barrier, the best defense against stress is that a child, a young person, an adult, has a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the apostle says that he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And it's not just salvation in terms of giving your life to Christ. It's salvation in its totality. It is what saves us from the tyranny of busyness and the consequences of stress. I like the way the psalmist puts it in Psalms 23, verse 1 to 3. A psalm we all know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he says. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. And then he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Passion Translation puts it like this. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. It's always dependent on the relationship. When the relationship is right, there are certain benefits that follow. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place to me in his luxurious love. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the stress, the psalmist says, as a result of my relationship with him as my shepherd, I am offered a resting place in his luxurious love. He goes on to say, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. And that's what we're all looking for, that quiet brook of bliss. He goes on then to say that that's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. There is a place where we find restoration, a place where our lives are revived, a place where we receive a refreshing, and it comes in the place of rest we find in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The basic benefit to any child of God of a relationship with Jesus should be a life devoid of stress. Not that the things that can stress you come but you find a resting place in God so that you don't just cope with the stress, you thrive in the pressure cooker. But it starts from a relationship with Christ. And it's a relationship, not a religion. 
is not just a style of worship. It's not just the obedience of rules and regulations. That is as good as it goes, but it's a relationship with a person, a relationship with the Son of God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen to that? And, and, and the, that relationship gives us the word of God by which we thrive. <laughs> you know, of course I'm sure you know if I had my way, when people go to see a specialist, a doctor, psychiatrist, counselor, you know, any of the specialists, in addition to whatever medicine they're giving, the first medicine I would give them is the Word of God. And not, not, not from a religious perspective, but from a perspective where I know it works. It's the number one antidote to stress. Because in the Word of God, your prof, it proffers a solution to every single, every stressful circumstance or situation you could possibly encounter. It's there. For everything you encounter, the word has something to say about it. Now, whilst I might not be able to do that out there, certainly not with the freedom that I would like and that you would like, isn't it a tragedy when you have people who should know who don't know, people who should know that this word of God is like medicine. It's the antidote to a lot of the stresses and the consequences of the stresses. So it's a bit of an, 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 some sort of anomaly when you come to a church and someone says they're a child of God and they're buckling under the pressure. Not because we, we, we think the tr pressure is trivial, but then we're saying that there is an antidote. It starts the process. And thank God for the wonderful psychiatrists, the doctors, the counselors, the other specialists. But the foundation of dealing with life in this pressure cooker is the word of God. So then why don't people take this medicine? I think, number one, because people don't really understand the nature of the word of God. <laughs> if you don't think the medicine is going to work, how many know you won't take the medicine? But if you know the medicine is going to work, how many know you will take the medicine? So a lot of people, they don't understand the nature of the word of God. You know, if you, go to a, if, you go to a, if you hear doctors talk and they are trying to decide which medicine to give you, a pharmacist or you know, any of the professionals, you know, they, they talk about the components of the medicine. They talk about the nature of the medicine. Is this more effective than this? You know, can this cure this? If we're saying the word of God is like medicine, then we should know what this word of God is. The writer of the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews the fourth chapter, 
and the 12th verse. And I like the Amplified Translation. It says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operating, energizing, and effective. So this word of God is not the dead letter. It's not Shakespeare. It's not wisdom. It's not Anthony Robbins. It is the word of God. The Bible says it's different from every other book. It's different from every other word. It's alive and full of power. It has a life in it once the Spirit of God breathes upon it. The Bible says it's active. It's energizing. It's operative and it's effective. It goes on to say it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal, the spirit. It's like no other book. And of the joints and, and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. What does it do? The Bible says it exposes, it sifts, it analyzes, and it judges the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. It is not a normal book. Once the Spirit of God breathes upon it, it it's alive. It has a mind. It has an intent. It goes to achieve what God wants it to achieve. The psalmist says in relation to the word of God, giving us even more understanding of the nature of the word. The psalmist says in Psalms 119 verse 130, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The best thing you can do for your child is to acquaint them with the word of God at a very early age. That's one of the best gifts you can give them. Amen? Amen? Jesus gives a wonderful illustration that I think kind of is so apt, especially as we're talking about the pressures of life. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, he talks about two different kinds of people. One of them hears the word, his teaching, And applies it to his life. Another hears the word, the teaching, and doesn't bother. Now listen to what Jesus says about both of them. Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 24 to 27. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell, the flood came. With fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came with the winds and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Very graphic picture. Jesus says there were two houses. To the casual observer, both houses looked the same. 
those houses could be two lives. As long as things were good, the houses looked okay. They looked the same. But then the circumstances changed. Pressure came. Things didn't go as planned. Life happened. They encountered some turbulence, a change in circumstances. The rain came, the winds, fierce winds came, the floods came, the storm came. And the truth is that we will all go through storms in life. But then something happened to whoever might have been observing. Faced with the same circumstances, one house stood strong. Weathering the circumstances. The other house that looked exactly like the one that was standing buckled under the pressure, caved in, and literally collapsed. And Jesus said the difference is that one builder built his house on a strong foundation. The strong foundation was he heard the word and he applied it, he obeyed the word. Jesus said that foundation was strong. But the one that buckled under the pressure didn't hear the word, didn't apply it. And Jesus say, said, it was like building a house on sand. Believe me, without the word of God, we are building our lives on sand. It simply cannot withstand the pressure of life. When I consider the pressure that I have faced in my life, the loss of a loved one, Dealing with health challenges with loved ones. Some of the persecution I have faced. When I consider the pressure and I look at myself and see how I went through those circumstances and I didn't lose my mind. On the contrary, if I didn't say to you this is what I was going through, you would have no idea. I realize that it cannot be the work of a man. It is simply because by God's grace, I had built this house on the foundation of God's word. If I had not, I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you. And part of the challenge that we face is the word is active, it's alive, it's energizing, it's operative, it's powerful. But if you don't know what it says, it's of no use to you. 
If you're ignorant of what it says, it can't help you. The prophet Hosea says in Hosea 4 verse 6, the first sentence of that, 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 that verse, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So you have people who, they hear the word of God on Sunday, and that is the extent to which they have an interaction with the word of God. It doesn't work. Ignorance is not a defense. If you don't know what it says, it can't help you. It is the truth that you know that sets you free. Can someone say amen to that? So you have many in the body of Christ who are ignorant of what the word of God says. As a result, the word cannot be activated on their behalf. And then you have those who are not ignorant. They know, but they just don't believe it. You know, when the Bible talks about the children of Israel going through the, the desert, in the book of Hebrews, it says about them, Hebrews 4 verse 2, that they heard the good news of deliverance. But they didn't join their faith with what they heard. And as a result, what they heard did not affect them. I assure you that they are, <laughs> they are very learned professors who have read this Bible well. I was listening to Derek Prince. Derek Prince, in his 20s, was a professor of philosophy at Cambridge. And so he picks up the Bible to read it as a, a book of philosophy. And there are many who are like that. They have letters after their name. They've read it, but they don't believe it. But for Derek Prince, what happened was that, by God's grace, as he read it and read it, the Holy Spirit started to work on his heart. And he got to a point where he believed what he read. And that's how his life was changed. But there are many who will read it, and they just simply don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, then it doesn't work. The Bible says about the children of Israel, they heard the word of deliverance. But they didn't receive it by faith. They didn't trust it. And if any story drives home the power of unbelief to stop the word of God from being active, it surely must be the story of Jesus when he visited his hometown in Nazareth. The Bible records it in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 54 to 58. He visits his hometown in Nazareth. Now, he's doing all these miracles everywhere, and they've all heard that God is using him mightily. He's the son of God. He's doing miracles. 
But when they got to his hometown, they just couldn't get past their intellect. They were like, isn't this Jesus whose mother is Mary? Don't we know his four brothers? Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and Judah. Don't his sisters live here in Nazareth? How did he get all this revelation and this power? Isn't he the carpenter's son? And then the Bible says the people became offended with him. They were just annoyed with him. Now, aren't you plain old Jesus? And the Bible ends with this sentence. And their great unbelief kept him from doing any mighty miracles in Nazareth. If we don't believe what the word says, it can't help us. But when we believe it, then it becomes active on our behalf. Can someone say amen to that? That's why we must constantly encourage ourselves to read, study, meditate, confess, and obey the word of God. Amen? Amen. Read, study, meditate, confess, and obey the word of God. Amen? Because when we do, then we can deal with the pressures of life. So one of the things that helped me cope from the word of God was the scripture in Romans, the 8th chapter and the 28th verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The Passion Translation says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Now, <laughs> when I read that scripture, way before any storms in my life. I received that scripture as the truth of God's word. And my wife will tell you that's how I live my life. And so, when I hit some turbulence, when I entered a storm, when things didn't go how I thought they should go, the kind of things that cause people to buckle. I ran back into that scripture. Because I knew it, I was not ignorant of it. And I believed it, I had no unbelief concerning it. I had read it, I had studied it, I had meditated on it until it had become a part of my person. And so when the challenges came, my response to the pressure, to the circumstances I didn't understand, my response to 
dealing with what wasn't going the way I thought it should go was even this one is going to work together for my good. Because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. So I might not understand it, but at the end, it must line up with God's word. It must work together for my good. If I didn't know that, I would have run amok with the circumstances that I was faced with. It's going to work together for my good. Another one that helped me is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You know, sometimes the whole thing can go pear-shaped. How many have ever been there? Let's see your hands. Where it just goes pear-shaped. Not the way you plan. But then I remember the scripture. Fortunately, I had read it. I had studied it. I had meditated on it, confessed it. And so when the plans looked like they were falling apart, the kind of pressure that tips people over, I ran into the word of God. I said, no, 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 no. These plans cannot be falling apart. I don't, it just means that I don't know something that God knows. It means that these plans, God is going to use them to work out his own plan. Because in the end, God's thoughts and plans for me are thoughts and plans for my welfare, my peace, and not for evil, to give me hope in the final outcome. Guess what I would say? The final outcome must line up with the word of God. But if you don't know, if you're ignorant, the circumstances will dictate to you. But if you know, you can dictate to the circumstances that you must line up with the word of God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify your name and exalt you. Next week, we'll start talking about some other things that can help us cope with pressure. But this was foundational. The word of God. Reading it, studying it, meditating on it, confessing it, and obeying it. Can someone say amen? amen? And I want you to read two scriptures with me. I want this to be comfort for someone who's going through a challenging time. Psalms 46, verses 1 to 3. We read, read it in the Passion Translation. Go and rise to your feet. Psalms 46, verse 1 to 3. This is medicine, medicine. I'm giving you medicine. Dr. Agu prescribing medicine now. I'm prescribing medicine. Yeah, this is my, my GP practice. Hallelujah. One, two, let's read the word of God. Go on, one, two. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. 
more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earthquakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Amen? Then the Bible says, pause in his presence. Think about it. Now let's read it one more time and let's personalize it. So where it says we, I want you to say I. Amen? Are you ready? Now read it and, and personalize it. Let the word of God start to work in your life. Let, just, just feel it. Feel the word of God beginning to take the stress away. Beginning to lift burdens. You know, believe this word. This is the word of God. This is the word of the creator of the ends of the earth. This is the word of our Father. This is the word of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is his word. And you know what he says? He says, I watch over my word to bring it to completion. One, two. Let's read together again. And personalize it this time. Go. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. So I will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. I will not fear even when the earthquakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode my faith in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go and celebrate the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let's, let's read together Psalms 62, verses 5 to 8. Again in the Passion Translation. Psalms 62, verses 5 to 8. You ready? One, two. Let's go. I am standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my Savior, and he will not fail me. For he alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me as my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me, even when troubles multiply around me? God's glory is all around me. His wraparound presence is all I need. For the Lord is my Savior, my hero, and my life-giving strength. Join me, everyone. Trust only in God every moment. Tell Him all your troubles and pour out your heart longings to Him. Believe me when I tell you He will help you. Amen. For a few minutes, let's just obey the psalmist. Tell Him all your troubles. Pour out your heart longings to Him. Just believe that that God can, God will. There's nothing you're going through that God cannot intervene in. So why don't you just, just do that? The psalmist says, pour out your heart troubles to him. The psalmist says, God cannot fail. He cannot fail. We're quick to run to a specialist. And nothing wrong with that. We encourage it. And next week I'll be talking a lot more about that. 
But before we do that, why not run to the specialist? The one who owns the specialist. So take it to him. Doesn't matter how large the trouble is. Take it to him. He's more than able, more than able, more than able. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that by your Spirit you will come, knowing each life, knowing the pressures 
that we face. For those who are in this auditorium or those who are watching online. That because we have come to you, we will find a place of rest in the name of Jesus. That Holy Spirit, you will lift burdens and destroy the yoke of oppression. The grace to stand under pressure. The grace to thrive under pressure. The grace to bear Christian witness to the truth of the word of God by how you go through a, a trial and a difficult circumstance. Let it rest upon each one of us in the name of Jesus. At the end, O oh God, let it all work together for our good that your name and your name alone might be glorified in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Give God a clap of freedom. Hallelujah.